0: Amy Carroll.
1: Welcome, everyone, to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. As a communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, I'm delighted to be your host and excited to bring you insights and ideas to help you solve your communication conundrums. This is the 37th episode of my show, Partner Up with Amy Carroll. If you want to find out more about me or the show, feel free to listen to previous episodes on my website, carolcoaching.com. Or go directly to the voiceamerica.com business channel and be sure to download the app or tune in with your favorite podcast apps. Listeners, I have a question for you. Do you sometimes find yourself in the middle of a discussion and or a negotiation and then it just all starts to go south? If so, check out last week's show from May 7th. This is a show that I, where I interviewed this guy by the name of Scott Tillemont. He's an FBI-trained hostage negotiator. And Scott shared the mindset and the framework of what makes pros successful. So be sure to have a listen. Today, my guest is Lisa Winnicott. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you for having me, Amy. I'm thrilled to be here with you. Yes. All the way from Melbourne, Australia. That's right. Yes. So <laughs> listeners, we are working on two very different time zones today as we speak. You know, uh, Lisa, you and I only got to meet a couple of weeks ago, thanks to Dan, who connected us from Voice America. Mm. So, uh, shout out to Dan! Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan. I love a good. I love a good connection.
0: I mean, look, I think that's the beauty of of what we're doing these days is when you are aligned with people that are great at connecting you. I'm finding with my show that I don't really need to seek out people. I'm constantly being connected by people that do this, that
1: they enjoy doing it, you know, so it lights them up. So, yes, thank you, Dan. (laughs) And uh, Lisa, I want to stop and give the listeners some background on you so they know who Mm. I'm chatting with today. So, listeners, Lisa is the host of The Good News Guide, which is both a podcast and a YouTube channel. She's a connector, speaker, author, and truth seeker with qualifications in numerous energy modalities. Lisa is passionate about life and it's with her big heart, courage, and vulnerability combined with this innate ability to communicate which allows Lisa to support people, connecting back to their nature, their true nature, accessing the wisdom and the power that resides within in order to create the life you have come here to live. Now, this desire and her work now was born from her own experience, having spent 15 years recreating her life, and that included a lot of suffering from decades of depression, anxiety, and eating disorder, more recently a breakdown of her 20-year marriage. Lisa's become well-known for her honesty, her integrity, and courage, which with which she shares her messages, her teachings, her conversations, giving extraordinary permission for people to embrace their whole selves. And I think listeners, you're going to experience that very soon as we start to chat. Mm -hmm. And Lisa, you and I talked about, you know, what do we want our theme to be today? And we talked about leading from within, accessing that inner leader, whether it's for self-leadership, for leading your team or leading the vision you want to drive. So, that might be our theme, and who knows, we may go to other places today.
0: <laughs> That's often the, 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 the way my conversations go, but I'm, I'm happy to be led and guided by you wherever, wherever you want to take us.
1: Okay, well, let's jump in. And I guess I'd like to have you give listeners an over, you know, I gave that brief overview of your journey, though I would love for you to fill in some of the details, anything you think that would be valuable to share.
0: Well, Amy, you've done a pretty good job. And look, you know, I, I think really it shares the, the journey that I have been on, and I'm, I'm about to turn 50 in a few months. Okay. But the process that I have and which I'm very excited about coming into my, year, my decade of 50s, believe it or not, But really what I understand now sitting here and talking to you is that everything had a purpose. And so the purpose of being in a state of deep suffering and being so disconnected from myself and deeply, deeply loathing myself The purpose of that was to now understand what it's like to be deeply connected to myself, Mm. to deeply love and honour and acknowledge and celebrate and be with myself. I couldn't have experienced what I'm experiencing now if it wasn't for having the contrast of that. And, yes, I've chosen to learn to, to integrate and take the lessons from these periods of life in order to integrate the wisdom in who I am. And, you know, obviously I am shaped entirely by every and we all are by every life experience but I've chosen to see that everything and recognize that everything has actually been a gift you know even the breakdown of my 20-year marriage I was just saying to you before we press record I was with my ex-husband and my youngest at parent-teacher interviews you know laughing chatting away we have a great relationship you know Our relationship now is better than it ever was before because I've done some deep healing and transformational work internally since I left the marriage to liberate myself of some of the patterns and conditions that were still showing up when I Exited the marriage, so mm-hmm. I see that everything has a purpose. Um, so rather than going back and really, I don't think I really need to give details. It's very clear. I had bulimia for twenty years. That was a deeply hidden. That was a hidden um, disease. Really, nobody knew, not even my husband at the time. So, you know, I know what it's like to feel deeply alone, and I know what it's like to now feel. Deeply loved, seen,
1: and understood. Mm. So and, you know, something you said, I, I, I suspect you believe this to be the case, is that when we do our own healing, that can be a gift to the people around us because sometimes that offers them healing even without them doing their own work, so to speak. Do you th- see that to be true in your life? Well, we know, and
0: I'm not going to go into the science behind it because that's not my forte, but as we heal, those around us heal. Yeah, You know, as we heal, generations gone past and generations to come heal in the moment that we create the healing inside of us. So the relationships my relationships which i believe has been my greatest lesson in this lifetime to heal is is healing my relationship with self has healed my relationship with my father which i didn't who i hadn't spoken to for years a relationship with my mother a relationship with my sister who i hadn't spoken to we'd had a terrible relationship most of our lives it's now healing my relationship with my three boys. It's yeah. healing my relationship with my ex-husband. Like I can sit here now and say I'm not a master at it, but this is something that I am mastering, mastering the art of being in relationships that are healthy, that are functional, that are loving, deeply respectful. And, um, and you know, I, I know this
1: is my life's work. Yeah, You also said something else that I want to go and explore more. This idea that you say life is not happening for us, it's happening to us. Tell me more about that and what have been some of those gifts that these experiences have brought to you. Mm. So I'm just going to just, I think you just said life, life is
0: always happening for us. So when we have that view, it's for us, then it's, it's, it's a supportive it's a supportive word it's a supportive phrase and i have a very deep knowing because of everything that i have healed that I can see the purpose for, as I said, I can see the purpose for experiencing depression. I can see the purpose for experiencing the eating disorder because now I can sit with people. The lens of judgment that I had of myself that got me into those states has completely changed that perspective. And so because I've changed my my relationship with self, so the lens in which I see myself is one of compassion and kindness, And gentleness and loving and love, not all the time, Amy. Sure, I'm not all the time, but more and more of the time. And so, the lens in which I look at myself is now the way I'm able to look at others. Right. And so, when I look at another, I am I'm rarely, and if I do look at another person in judgment, I catch myself so quickly and come back to love and understanding and compassion and putting myself in their shoes and knowing that. You know we are human and what we make mistakes, and that pain that you know projecting our pain is born of our own pain, and it, you know it's a level of consciousness that we might not have or somebody else might not have. So I have such a an acute awareness of other people around me and how they might be behaving. And so the judgment that I once had is is so is so different. and 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 hence my relationships are so much. Healthier and um, and more loving, and it's a safe place for for people to be with me mm. now because I am because I'm safe with me. I can be that. I can be that space for another person, and you know that's that that is being reflected back to me all the time by people around me. My t- you know I was talking to one of the guys who's been working with me today, and I said, please tell me what is, you know, I wanted to help ask him what are the things that I could improve on as a leader? Like, this is one of my missions is to help my team realise their potential. Mm-hmm. And so I said, and then I said, and so what are the things that I have done well? And he said, Lisa, he said, I have to say there's not really much that I can help you improve because you create such an open, safe environment. If there's anything that we need to talk about, you bring it up, we talk about it. And so I felt such gratitude. Oh, my gosh, yes. And this, is, this has been my life's learning to get to this point and to
1: continue. So I want to see if we can um, bring the conversation back in a few minutes to this, you know, creating this safe space and, and how you've accomplished that. Um, and I want to go back off on a tangent from this thing you said earlier about life is not happening uh, to us, it's happening for us, and it made me think of an example that is very different than what you've just described. Though I wonder if it fits within that umbrella. Um, and it's in the way I say it is that um, my belief that no matter what it looks like from the outside, there's always a gift in it. Mm. Right. So here's what happened. Uh, uh, this was back in 2014. I had been contacted by a large multinational company to present the work I do to 80 HR people in Barcelona. <laughs> I was like, you know, it's just it, the, the richest, loveliest gift, right? It's just okay. And yes. I, I was all about it. And so we talked and I was like, oh yes. And I knew they were going to select me. Um, and I was feeling pretty good about it. And then they didn't select me, Lisa. And I was like, up, 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 up. <laughs> you know who I am. My ego was just like red alert. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, okay, fine. And, and I, I was trying to soothe my ego and, and help myself feel better and to shift my mindset. And I said, now, Amy, there's a gift in this. Mm-hmm. You don't know what it is right now. Maybe you'll never find out. They'll just go with that belief system. So I did. And I, uh, four months later, the event was taking place in early March, and I happened to have a week free and spontaneously decided to go visit my sister and brother in Texas. And it was fun and delightful. And as soon as we got there, my father suddenly went into hospital. He was—I no, was in Texas; he was in Oregon. And we were thinking, what should I do? And we just sat intuitively said, Amy, you should go. You're in the States. You don't know when you'll get to see dad again. Just go visit him now. Um, Because his health was always very good. And this was unexpected. Lisa, I fly to Oregon. And two days later, he dies. I just got this. Mm -hmm. He died the day I was supposed to be in Barcelona delivering that workshop. Mm -hmm. Wow. Right? And, and I was like, well, you know, universe, it was really nice for you to sort of show me what a gift that thing was from four months mm-hmm. ago. And every time I question if something is a gift or not, I remember that. You know, and I got to spend that time with my dad and it was beautiful and joyful and loving. And, and I also imagine the guilt I would have had. Mm. Because I'm sure I would have talked myself into going to Barcelona saying, oh, my dad's a healthy guy. I can go see him next week. Mm. So um, I feel like that's like a a different um, example of how just see everything as a gift.
0: And you've been, I mean, I want to use the word fortunate, not fortunate because your father passed away, but fortunate in the sense that you were able to take that experience and recognise the gift in that, anchoring that into your entire being, memorising the feeling that there is always a gift in the things that we think are taking us away from what we want and what we so desire. But life is always working for us. Yeah. Always. Yeah. And that makes life a whole lot easier
1: to live with. Absolutely. Because the other is victim. Yeah and it's funny you talk about this, say some
0: more about that about victim well there's no power there's you're completely powerless there is it you're you're a, you're a victim to everything around you outside of you it is it is a space of powerlessness and i know from being in that place for a very long time there is no hope there is no joy there is no peace and you're constantly being affected by your external conditions and people around you. So it's, um, it's a huge leap to come into a space when you know that you are the creator and that you are always being supported for your highest good and yeah. for those around you always.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you talk about uh, the victim, and it makes me think of the model that I use of predator-prey partner, which uh, I shared with you a couple of weeks ago when we spoke. Mm. So I'm gonna, I want to go in and take a deeper dive into this and your uh, understanding of it in your own life. And before I do that, let me catch the listeners up on this model. So, there, if we think of three archetypes, there's the predator the prey, the partner. The partner in the middle is where most of us are hanging out most of the time. You and I right now, all is well. We're holding high respect for ourselves and for the other person. The problem is under pressure, stress, perceived threat, crisis, COVID, or if we're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, we can slip into either the predator or the prey. Mm -hmm. Now the predator, she is a person who holds too much respect for herself and not enough for others. Tends to be very comfortable with confronting and with conflict. So um, if you and I were colleagues, Lisa, and we were having a disagreement, I might say, but but, Lisa, Lisa, hold Lisa, hold. Up. Right, fine, Lisa, I get it. Would you just let me speak? And you're going, whoa, what's your problem? And you're either gonna react as a prey or a predator back to me. Either way, there's likely to be a breakdown in the relationship. Unless you've done your own work where you're able to stay partner.
0: Mm.
1: And the other extreme, that victim, that prey, and that's spelled P-R-E-Y, although they're often pray because they're usually really nice people. Mm. And they tend to hold too much respect for the other, not enough for themselves. Mm. And that's a problem for a couple of reasons. And the biggest reason I perceive it as a problem is because when I'm holding too little respect for myself and too much for the other, that can actually trigger someone to become a predator towards me. So a prey Mm -hmm. could sound like this if we're, you and I are in conflict, but, but Lisa, I know, I know. I, I'm sorry, Lisa. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just, Lisa, could I, I, could I just, and even you a reasonable person could react. So, those are the three archetypes. And the idea then is, um, and this model was developed by my sister, Pat Kirkland. She's a recovering prey. I'm a recovering predator. (laughs) So, Mm. interesting family dynamics. Mm. And um, the invitation then is, can we step in partner before we need it? Stay there when the going gets tough and remain in partner even if we don't get what we want.
0: Well, there's many. There's a lot to look at in that 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 question because, as I shared with you in our first conversation, I I mean I realized after I stepped out of the marriage, and when I was really doing some deep inner work on my relationship with self and what was showing, what had showed up in the marriage and um, and my part, essentially my part in the breakdown. I was able to see, and when I read your book, I was able to actually identify, yes, I was a predator and my ex-husband was the prey. Now, to be able to now partner with him, which is what I'm doing the majority of the time, very, very, very um, rarely do I go into that role, is because I have healed a lot of the wounds that would have had me act as a predator. I think that to, to to consciously choose not to be a predator, I don't think is, for me, I don't believe that that, that was possible because you've got to understand what drives, what's motivating you mm-hmm. to behave that way, that's needing the control, that's needing to have your way, that's needing even to have the last say to be right. I mean, that was all the stuff that was playing out. And, you know, I, I am just going to say that I wasn't aware. So I, I, I've, I've always considered myself, well, certainly for the last 10 or 12 i'm a i feel like i'm a very loving kind person but when i was triggered when i was triggered and that predator behavior came out no i wasn't i was out of alignment with my true nature and that was because of wounds that were with you know buttons pain pain Mm. buttons that were pushed so I can only be that now because I have such deep awareness and because of the healing that I have done. But I have such an awareness of how I want to uphold myself, how I want to be in relationship, how I want to be that safe, safe place for another, for them to be able to be respected. And, you know, I had a, I was um, had a guy on my show recently and we were talking, and it was actually my show, this conversation was released today and it's called... Going from opposition to understanding. Is this and the he, interview with Fish? Yes.
1: Oh my God! Yes. I'm starting to listen to it. It's fabulous.
0: Oh, he is so. Oh, he's beautiful, and he's he's all about communication. Yeah. I said, to him, do you think you're a master in communication? He said, I will never be a master, Lisa. No mm. one can ever master communication as long as I've got an, an ego just, attached. <laughs> as long as I'm probably in this body. But what I loved about him is, you know, there's we're always we're hardwired. To be right or not wanting to be wrong. Yes. And so, as a predator, I was very much never wanting to be. I wanted to be right. Yep. And I never wanted to be wrong. And because I had an ex-husband who was soft and gentle, and also didn't like conflict. Right. Whereas I was okay with it. It was almost like his behaviour had me behaving even more as a predator. Yeah. Because I
1: was trying to elicit yes. a response from him. Right, and that's the when we go prey, the other one will go more predator. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. So that very much was the
0: way it was. And so now, you know, he said recently I've, you know, um to to my partner at the moment, he said, you you've got the best version of Lisa.
1: <laughs>
0: You're welcome. <laughs> Because I've taken such responsibility, Amy, for yeah. my dysfunction in relationships and not wanting to continue repeating that because I also want one of my guiding posts is I want to be the demonstration of I want to be a demonstration for my boys of what it looks like to live from your heart, to realise your full potential and to be a conduit for love and understanding and I can't do that if I'm not taking responsibility and healing the past wounds that have had me playing out, you know, all sorts of human things that we do. So mm. it's a journey. It's an ongoing. And, um, you know, my mum says to me often, do you think you'll ever stop healing? Like, do you think that there's, there'll be something? And I said, there's, there's a difference. I don't feel like there's anything to fix, right? Mm-hmm. There's a difference. I used to feel that way. Right. But now I understand that there are also patterns, wounds that we've carried for generations, potentially generations that will show up in our biology and in our the way that we are that I want to take full ownership and I want to break the ties so that for generations to come, they're not carrying the wounds and the pain that I've carried.
1: That's beautiful. Yeah, I, I'd like to go take a deeper dive into that um, after we come back from the break because I think that there's some rich nuggets in that to discuss. And um, you also talk about, I think you and I are similar, that we're not afraid of conflict. Do you have any thoughts or comments? And you, we may not be able to address this before the break, though, for those people who like your ex-husband, where con- they will avoid conflict. Is there something that can support people who will who really shy away from conflict? I think the first point is acknowledging that
0: they really are afraid, and they Yeah, I mean, we can't take responsibility for another doing their work. True. And choosing to do it or not, and so that that's where it got to for me. I couldn't do what I needed to do inside the the marriage. Because I needed, you know, there was stuff that was in our space, you know, there was, and and I wanted to communicate about it and I didn't see it as conflict. But for him, it created a sense of conflict. So, I think is acknowledging where the other person is and really accepting. So, if we can accept the person and then maybe that might have them move towards us to be able to then come into conversation or not. Mm. And then then there's a choice mm. for that person to make. Mm. If that person can't meet me and have these conversations, because conflict, I know now, I'm a massive believer that conflict and resolving conflict in a really healthy way brings us into deeper connection. Absolutely. With another. Yeah. And so I don't want to miss that now. Yeah. So I can't be in relationship with somebody who can't do conflict because the the gold in resolving conflict deepens love, deepens
1: connection, mm-hmm.
0: you know, but we need to be vulnerable.
1: Right. And the way you do conflict now is very different than the way you did it before. So it's not nearly as scary or, and probably feels very supportive and loving. Mm. Yeah. To me, to me first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So listen, we're going to take a break now. And listeners, if you want to find out more about Lisa, go directly to her website, com, And that's L I S A winnek dot When we come back from break, we're going to be hearing more from Lisa, maybe taking a deeper dive into that overwhelming need to be right. Stay tuned. You're listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Welcome back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. My guest today is Lisa Winnika, and we've been discussing increasing self-awareness, self-empowerment by shifting our thinking around life is happening to us versus life life is happening for us and all the gifts that we can find in that. Lisa, you and I both share along with many human beings that driving need to be right. And um, I remember going to, similar to you, I'm a big fan of personal development and working on oneself. and I guess, yeah, also, I don't necessarily see that there's something that needs to be fixed as much as um, this. I can keep growing myself and enriching my life. And the more I work on me, the happier other people will be around me. <laughs> I believe. Mm-hmm. So I'm not yeah. doing it to please other people. I'm doing it to, um, you know, have just richer experiences in life. And so. Um, I took this course, you may be familiar with Landmark. Mm. It has Mm. different perceptions around the world. In in Europe, some people see it as almost cult-like, which is fascinating, because from a North American perspective, not the case. And one of the nuggets I got from my training with Landmark was, as human beings, we have two driving needs, the need to look good and the need to be right. And my need to be right is so all-encompassing that I will give up looking good in order to be right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not pretty sometimes. <laughs> uh, well, you know,
0: I was, we were just sharing before the break that um, my recent conversation with Fishgill, an Australian um, heart coach, which I love, and he said that we are hardwired, that we are, <laughs> as humans, we are hardwired to as you just said, to need to be right. Now I remember a time when I was married, and I used to bump heads with one of my eldest twins, who's almost seventeen, and he used to say, "You are the adult." I remember the first oh, time he ouch. said, it, "You <laughs> are the adult," and uh, and it was around being uh, needing to be right because my son is very much, very much grounded in. He cannot. He's not able to see that anyone else could be right. He's always right and i did not realize that this was playing out and it was really an awake a wake up moment for me but not really i didn't really address it or delve into it until i separated from my um, from my ex-husband and more so in the past 18 months since i've been working with a relationships coach i've recognized it has been very much a thing that has caused so much angst and as fish says we can't we, we're in complete opposition you know my right And then you've got another person with their right. And what I loved is he said when when he shared my right plus your right equals the truth. I thought that was for me that just landed with such potency because your right is your right. Yeah. And my right is my right based on my life experiences, my lens, my whatever, neither is wrong. If we could allow and actually with curiosity meet another person with a level of, as I said, curiosity. Tell me about what's going on for you. Yeah. Which would then have the other person go, well, tell me what's going on for you that you would have, you would be sitting there. Then it brings us together rather than having us standing in opposition
1: where there is no one moving towards another. Nice. So shifting to a place of curiosity And I can imagine that for you and I, as I mentioned before the break, that we're comfortable with that conflict And when we're addressing someone who's less comfortable with conflict to approach them with curiosity rather than, you know, sort of that lawyer brain of defending and justifying, you know, what's how I'm right and you're wrong. Instead, go, oh, I'm, you know, tell me more is Hmm. one of my uh, phrases I like to use. And the other thing that just came to me when we were sharing, because I have a lot of, you know, I've worked with a lot of
0: coaches over the years, this particular relationships coach, which she's one of the people I bring on my show quite a bit. And she's a good friend of mine. And she said, look beyond the behavior and tune into the feeling behind the behavior. Yeah. And I love that. So when, say with my partner, he doesn't like conflict the way that I'm okay with. Yeah. And he has, you know, g- grown up in a fair with a fairly traumatic um, upbringing, and so he runs away in his part in the past. Before me, he would run away from conflict. He would like he would he- he'd be out of here, and so good on him for not running away. Um, yes, but I've obviously created a safe first space. Yes, that just keeps reminding him this is this is not a breakdown. This is I'm not you know judging you, but if I can look beyond what's going on for him and actually tune into how he's feeling then I have such deep compassion and love for him because the feeling, I, I, I can feel how he's feeling yeah. rather than going, why is he not behaving and, and
1: giving me what I need? Right. So uh, that makes me think of NVC, nonviolent communication. Are you familiar with that? I have, and I look, I've never looked into it, but I, I'm, I'm familiar with it, yes. Well, you're, you're doing it intuitively. Because it's really just looking at either identifying what am I feeling or needing or what is the other person, what might they be feeling or needing? Guessing. And that's what you're doing. You're guessing um, what he calls making empathy guesses. Mm. Yeah. And that… That naturally helps us to become more compassionate when we're becoming more empathic. And it's cool thing, Lisa, is we don't even have to get it right and, you know, guess the right feelings. You know, are you sad? Are you scared? Are you frustrated? And if it's not true for them, you know, they'll say, well, no, I'm actually um, embarrassed. Mm. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. So, You know, our theme today is leading from within, developing and accessing your inner leader for self-leadership and leading your team, leading your vision that you want to drive. How does better understanding yourself regarding how you show up and take responsibility for actions play a role in all of this? Well, by knowing myself,
0: I have a deeper understanding and awareness of everyone around me, anyone that I come in contact with by my level uh, my level of self-awareness is so high and because i'm so present i'm able to be with another person more and more without bringing my experience into the experience, into the interaction so what that does it allows the people that i'm with to be themselves to be authentic to feel safe to communicate with me knowing that i'm more often that not, i'm not going to take it personally i'm not going to be in reaction that that they don't have to be afraid what does that do that helps them express themselves more freely or as i said more authentically and it deep and, and it deepens the connection. My my connections with people are so much deeper. Everything that I so desired all those years ago that I didn't have, I have that now. Because as my relationship with myself is deepened, as too can that be with anyone else around me. So I form deep connections very easily. Did that answer your question?
1: Um, it, it's it, it 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 absolutely does and. Let me think about what I want to ask. Um, Taking responsibility for your actions. Yeah, because what you're doing is you've been cleaning up your side of the street and Mm. you make it an open, neutral space for the person to come into. Um, Mm. So there's less noise for them.
0: And the other thing is the thing that I'm, you know, I've been really um, reflecting on recently is what has this process led me to be more of and to embody more of. And so I have this, th- these two words that killed, there's one word that kept dropping in was wholehearted. Like, what does it mean to be wholehearted? And, you know, for me, it's to be authentic, to be courageous, to be bold, to be vulnerable. You know, all, the more vulnerable I am, the more that then gives permission for another person. The more I love myself and recognize and acknowledge my wholeness, and meet all of my humanity, all of my darkness, all of my shadows. Once the more I can meet all of that and love all of that back to wholeness, the more I can be that for another person. So mm. it gives permission to for people to, to be human. Yes, and 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 recognize that there's, there's, there, there are no mistakes. There's nothing wrong with them. Um, it's okay to be angry. It's it's okay to be sad. All of it is okay. Wow. But to
1: embrace it all. And earlier before the break, you were talking about working with this. I don't know if he was a relationship coach. He was a, an expert giving you input on working with your team. And he was saying, hey, you know, at least I don't really have much for you because you create such a safe environment. Do you have examples from a business perspective of concrete things you do or don't do that creates that safe environment that maybe listeners can kind of reflect to see if that's something that would work for them? Mm.
0: So I had very clear values that we all did at the start um, when we first started working together. Um, so I was aware of their values and I respected their values and ensured that they were upheld. So that was one of the first things that we did. Um, the other thing is that before, at the start of every meeting, we step into a space and have a we do a circle and we share what's there. and there's always an encouragement to share anything that they might have previously wanted to hold back but that is in our space, that will will prevent us from actually working cohesively. So it started by having, you know, some of those things being shared and them feeling safe and met by me when they shared these things that previously they would have been afraid to share. And so we cultivated such a... I cultivated such a container of trust that they were able to bring things to the table that maybe previously they wouldn't have wanted to, which then would have been inside our space, which is going to affect our working environment. It's going right. to affect our relationship. It's going to affect the productivity, the engagement that we have, the joy that we have in working together. So um, for me, it's it's and it's ha- choosing to have the difficult, I say in inverted commas, the more challenging conversations knowing As I was saying before, knowing that when we choose to do that and maintain responsibility for our reactions in it and our way and whatever it is that comes up for us inside the conversations, then that will then bring us together more cohesively in a more connected way, which will then forge us forward to to create, you know, more wonderful things. So Mm. I think that for me, that's the foundation is creating a safe environment for my team where they flourish because it's safe to be seen, heard and understood. And they feel validated for however it is that they feel.
1: So what happens to you? Do you ever find yourself getting triggered or defensive? And if so, how do you manage that in the moment? Um, Yeah, I do. Uh, Not with my team we're talking
0: about. Mm. I have been. And because I'm so conscious and aware, as soon as I am in it, like literally it won't take long, I will say, hey, guys, I just want to share with you what happened. So I'm very vulnerable.
1: Wow. You know,
0: I, I will cry, I will, I, but I will name it. Hey, nice. I just got triggered and I want to let you know what just happened here and I'm taking responsibility. And then that gives them permission to share with me how they responded to my reaction. Yeah. So then there is a conversation that happens and then the clearing that happens after it has been life-changing, in particular for one of the people that I've worked with, because she came from a place where you 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 avoided speaking up. Right. Right. But I have I knew that about her at the very beginning. And I'm like, that's something that I wanted for her. I wanted for her
1: to be able to feel confident in speaking up. Yes. Wow, I'm finding myself um, very inspired in the the part about being vulnerable and admitting the reaction. So it's not about I'm never going to have a a negative or defensive reaction again. It's, oh, it will happen. It will come up. Um, Can I just share it calmly and gently
0: Mm.
1: without it becoming explosive? Mm. And the other
0: thing is because it's been a small team, I am also, they know my limiting beliefs. I've made it very clear. They know. Well, well, they know it's not so much it is a limit, they know one of my greatest, my 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 patterns that has been with me for so long and is slowly I'm untangling, is I have compared myself my whole life. It has been so deeply entrenched in my being, that it is taking time to heal that wound. And so that is one thing that has come up and that came out very early in the piece working with them and I was like, I just need you to know if I that ever happens and I'm not celebrating you. That doesn't feel good for me, and I know it doesn't feel good for you. And I'm gonna name it when I notice it. So that has happened, you know, when it, well, as often as it has happened, not that often, but when it has, I'm like, that just happened. And they'll be like, yeah, well, particularly this one um, woman will say, Yeah, I yeah, I, I I know that. But you know, if you don't name it, what happens then is if I'm if I'm coming from a place, say let's use this example. If I'm hearing something that she's had a win and I'm not because of that, that wound, I'm not able to celebrate, which is what causes me the most grief that I can't celebrate another person because I'm feeling like there's not something for me. Yeah. If I'm unable to do that, then what? To, how does that leave the other person
1: feeling if I don't name it and then clear it up? Right. By you naming it, then she's like, oh, I don't take it personally and I, and I can feel that you really want to be able to be in that space to celebrate.
0: Yeah, and then I have an option. I have an opportunity to come back in and then come back to my heart and say, what is it that I want? Oh, my goodness, I want to celebrate you. Well done. Awesome, awesome. I'm so sorry I got triggered then. And it builds trust.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. I have... um one of the things I've noticed with people I work with is uh, they're wanting to take care of me if I'm upset or frustrated, and and I've encouraged them to say, no, it's okay. It's all right that I'm disappointed or jealous or um, frustrated. You don't have to talk me down or talk me off, you know, the ledge, so to speak. It's okay to just be with me, which might be uncomfortable for them, though. You know, they they. Their caretaking for me has uh, shifted over the time, and it feels uh, more comfortable for me, more authentic for them, I believe, um, mm. you know, just to be in the space of the, the negative ex- feelings, whatever they may be. Mm. I think we rush to try to get rid of those. Mm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Lisa, I'm becoming more fascinated by the impact of trauma on our communication and relationships. Whether it's trauma that we've experienced directly ourselves or that which has been passed down through us through society or past generations. Um, I'm curious to know, what are your personal experiences and thoughts on that? I know you've shared some tidbits. Mm. I mean, Trauma. (laughs) Trauma, unless we heal it, is
0: constantly playing out in every aspect of our lives. Yeah. In the way that we feel about ourselves, in the way that we relate to ourselves, in the way we relate to others, in what we believe to be possible for ourselves, our limitations, um, the life that we're living is all, you know, through the lens of, wounds, trauma. And so I, you know, I, I shared with you when we last spoke that I had just completed a four-month mastermind with um, one of the experts on my show and she took us through healing generational wounds, which was through parenting, but it can be applied for anything. Right. It's just that through parenting, our generational wounds, <laughs> they show up. Ding, ding, ding. and it it was an extraordinary experience in recognizing and healing the wounds and you know for example one of the greatest wounds that we carry is the model of love that we've been given and i don't know if i'm not going to go into it unless you want me to but I, the I would love for you to if you we well, have some time so for example so each of our parents have been shown a model of love by their parents. Right. And then they bring that in and they parent us based on their model of love. Mm-hmm. And their model, model of love, for most parents, their model of love is I need, my kids need to do something or be something to make them lovable. Mm-hmm. It's a huge wound. Huge. It's a, wo- it's a wound of not enough. It's a right. wound of being unworthy of love. Yes, yes. And for most of us, we carry that wound. Probably every single one of us.
1: Yeah, I'm not good enough. Carry. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy of love. Mm-hmm. So unless we heal our model of love and create a new model of love from a space of knowing that we are whole and taking full responsibility for our mind, body and spirit which is not a self-care thing. She takes it to a whole new level as far as bringing in a lot of psychology and science. But we can only come back to wholeness and be a model of love where our kids feel safe to be seen, heard and loved and they feel like they are enough as they are if we can meet our own humanity in all of it and love it back to wholeness. So that really for me has been profound in healing my model or the model of love that was given to me by my parents, which was mm. traumatic because I've I've lived a, most of my life feeling unworthy of love, I'm worthy of success, I'm worthy of
1: happiness. Mm-hmm. So um, from this intensive mastermind, are there some concrete nuggets that Either with a mindset or behaviors that people can start to play with,
0: as you know, with trauma, I, I, I really think we. I, I think to do it alone, I think is is impossible. I mean, we all need. If you want me to give some tips, I would say get support. Yeah, like if you. That's that. That really. Yeah. Is, if Great. you if you can see that you're that there is that you are react in reaction, you're being triggered by people and it's the same thing, that's trauma. That's trauma showing itself out externally to you. So mm-hmm. if there are patterns, dysfunctional patterns or, or or things that are on repeat, that's
1: that's trauma that that's there to be healed. Th- thank you, Lisa. Thanks for letting me interrupt because you're helping to make it much more concrete for people because you're Mm -hmm. right. The word trauma is, is I think overwhelming or intimidating for people. And a lot of people will want to say myself included, Oh, I don't have any trauma. And I think people need to appreciate that. That's sort of just a generic description for very things playing out in very different ways. So Mm. I cut you off. So one of them is this, this repetitive pattern pattern and reaction that we have.
0: Mm. And you know as I was sharing before the trauma of feeling unworthy of love yeah that is trauma so what 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 makes you know I remember going to a marion Williamson when she spoke in Melbourne years ago and I remember sitting there and she said, there's a person on your right and a person on your left. you've all experienced trauma no trauma is greater or less than." each other Mm. and it was so fascinating because there was a friend of mine sitting there and i didn't feel i i judged her her experiences in life had been less traumatic than mine well that completely cut that down and so now to me trauma is you know if we're not living if we're if we're living in pain if we're living in the repeated patterns of suffering and disconnect and loneliness and
1: sadness That that's trauma playing out. Yeah. And I think it's also useful for listeners to appreciate that it's not you don't have to just look at your the last 30, 40, 50 years of your life to determine, oh, was there trauma in there? No, this could have been passed on, as we said, from society from past generations that was in your DNA from the beginning.
0: And a friend of mine, I can't remember how many generations went back, another friend of mine who comes onto my show a lot, she's brilliant. She's a human um, genius and potential coach. And she had read a book and I think she was sharing with me that it, it, that trauma can be carried something like 15 generations back. That's what wow. it's now being, Yeah. So it doesn't matter where it came from. Yeah. You know, often we'll say, I don't know where that came from, or I feel like I've, it's, I've always been that way. Yeah. And that is a telling sign that, and, and and once again, we don't know, we don't need to know. You know, I think the storytelling and the trying to work it out isn't where the healing is. It's not okay. where it happens. You know, trying to assess the point at which I was traumatized, that's just my conscious mind trying to yeah. find a time which is actually not going to help me heal. Yeah.
1: Because yeah, the totally. healing
0: come, the healing needs to happen in the mind and the body, and so trauma exists in our body. Yeah. And so unless we're doing something to liberate our bodies and heal our the trauma that exists inside our bodies, we are still going out into the world
1: with our bodies yeah. attracting more of these traumatic experiences. Yeah. Lisa, in thirty seconds or less, do you have a call for action you'd like to share with listeners? In regard to um, the YouTube and for the podcast, it's actually
0: called the Good News Guide, so oh, that thanks. will remain as is for the time being until I uh, until I jump over and and rename it to the Wholehearted Woman. But for now, the Good News Guide, and um, if you'd like to connect with me, if you'd like to explore the possibility of coaching with me, then you can. Contact me at lisa at com on my website. Um, but otherwise, check out the meditation. It is, I've had some extraordinary reviews. It is paired with music from Greg Papania, who has written frequency music for some Great. of the best celebrities in the world. So excellent.
1: And listeners, be sure to switch on, tune in, listen up and be inspired next week. I'm going to be speaking with Alan Carroll. We're going to take a deep dive on the practice of mindfulness speaking and how it can reduce physical, emotional and mental tension. Listeners, if you're ready to take your superhero partner powers into the next decade, join me for my online leadership presence course. You can find out more on my website, carolcoaching.com. You can also check out my Facebook live going to be doing five minutes past the hour today for a short chat. And then Lisa, I want to say a big thank you for this wonderful conversation. Thank you. I loved it. Wonderful. And thank you listeners. Yeah, it was really great, Lisa. You've been listening to partner up with Amy Carroll on the voice America business channel. Happy partnering everyone.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Join Amy for another edition next Friday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Central European Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, make it a great week. And remember, make your partner look good.